0: In America throws his mighty shield The TV fans are taking over This is Across the Airwaves You're
1: different Now don't let anyone tell you That you have nothing to offer Second chances don't come around all that often I suggest you take a really close look at it.
2: Hello everybody and welcome to the Marvelverse podcast across the arrays podcast discussing Marvel's Agents of the Sealed, Marvel Cinematic Universe and Marvel's Netflix shows. And with me today to discuss Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is
1: You are watching Cable 10 of Royal Illinois Community Access <laughs> <laughs> Channel. Oh wait, I'm oh, oh, sorry, I thought this was the Way to World podcast. My name is my name is Louis Kim. Thank you for getting that reference, Nikki.
0: <laughs> we-
2: <laughs> it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty easy to throw a reference out there for me to get.
1: Yeah. We are we are missing our Ben Grimm and our Reed Richards. We are down two of our Marvel vs. Fantastic
2: Four. We're- yeah. They, uh, Steve is seeing the movie as we speak. Slackers. <laughs> and uh, James is not being a slacker. He's celebrating an early Mother's Day with his mom. Yes. Which, when you're away at college, it's really nice to,
1: to spend time with your mom. Yes. But we
2: are here and we have seen The Guardians of the Galaxy of all two. I've seen it twice.
1: And I and I have seen it once because of a stupid thing called a sinus infection, damn yep. pollen. Um. Both, buddy. So before before we get started, um, does anybody want to get out? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> before we get started, what is to is we have this extra extra time because you and I haven't really spoken about this. This is coming up to the nine year anniversary of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And That's can you anniversary believe anniversary To can, you. Can you believe it's been nine years?
2: Yes, I can't. <laughs> I remember going to see Iron Man with the, my best friend and Jane, uh, who's
1: in the other room right now, having
2: seen Guardians three times. Um,
1: what were your initial thoughts of that? Like, initially, because I I, I really didn't think anything of it, because superhero movies, even back then, were, like, fairly common, but I really wasn't really thinking anything of it. I thought the casting of Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark was a casting, but I wasn't really thinking of anything of it at the time. What about you?
2: Um, I wasn't thinking in the broader sense of that we were going to get a whole universe out of this because really we didn't start talking about phases until well into well probably towards the end of phase one yeah
0: um
2: but I was excited because one it's Robert Downey Jr and I've been a huge fan ever since I was about eight and I saw the movie back to school um and I was really happy that he was back I mean I watched Ally McBeal for that man um but I was just thrilled to have someone playing a superhero that I I loved and who so embodied the spirit of Tony Stark um it got me back into comics on a much deeper level than I had been before. Um, I thought, I, I fell in love with Agent Colson. No,
1: uh, yeah, no, know, uh, Weird that, really?
2: that, that I love Agent Colson. Um, I, the only, my only flaw for the film, in my opinion, was, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper Potts. I wanted to be Pepper Potts because I'm a real redhead. Uh, I, I, Some here, days. here,
1: here's, here's the thing about the Marvel Cinematic Universe when it first started. I was, I, I thought to myself, okay, Marvel's gonna make their own movies, so what's the big deal about that? And, you know, I you know, I, I only heard about after the fact like what they had put up as collateral to make Iron Man work. And the whole idea of an interconnected universe sounded good on paper, but like having a good idea and actually executing that idea, as you know and I know, two totally different things.
2: Right. We're we're fans of the process, we're fans of filmmaking and fans of movies. So we're always I think the most uh, rather than just going oh let's just go enjoy this film we're always like the most critical and looking at all the all the elements that go together i know that's how i am with james as well um where you look at the lighting and the score and we look at the story and we look at the impact
1: this has on future films
0: i
2: don't think any of us did that for at least i didn't do that for the first one because i wasn't expecting another film after iron man
1: well yeah and we i wasn't also expecting all these like every single person in this universe that you see on screen have a bigger larger significance none bi- none bigger than I, I think Clark is for Coulson just because of what of what a character like that usually is and what he, that's turned into. Absolutely right. amazing to me. Same thing right. Like, he, he, yeah.
2: he became, he was what could have been considered a throwaway character and he became as Clark himself said, the glue. Yes. Well, he was told by, by Feige that he was the glue. Um, And the amount of uproar over the loss of Agent Coulson in the Avengers um, I think showed just how ingrained not just he was but how how people had co- become connected to the MCU yes and th- the impact I think that I mean aside from the box office for all these films and the increase in comic sales Um. I think
1: that more of it brought Marvel back on the map for sure definitely
2: definitely and brought more be- that brought better writers I mean we always had the Mark Waits and the Grant Morrison's and Brian Michael uh,
1: Bendis
0: was just
2: I mean uh, was around at this time the god of all Brian Michael Bendis um, yes. and you know you had those guys but I think writing got better I think more and more people start I mean I'm seeing more and more writers more and more diversity in writers in the comic books when I go to the comic book store now um, I'm seeing better ca- you know better writing better characters new characters that are getting their own titles um, more women as titles um, it, You know, I'm a big fan of the comic book Faith which is the first plus size superhero and
1: speaking uh, of the women like along the lines of Clark Gregg like Hayley Adwell who, used, who would in any other comic book movie or superhero movie would have just played the girlfriend. She, in her own right, is becoming ingrained in the Marvel Cinematic Universe DNA so much so that like she is just as much a glue as say a Howard Stark or a yeah.
2: false. I agree. I think Haley. I think when you have an actress like Haley and you have an actor like Clark Gregg, they bring more than just a performance to their characters. They really embody their characters, and I don't think that I think that along with uh, RDJ as Tony, those. Are are the two others who I think most embody their characters in a soul deep way, not just a, a deep way, but or a, a superficial way. But these get these are Haley and Robert and, and Clark are those characters and they embrace it. And you don't really get that level of commitment with the others, even though you do get a very deep level of commitment. But it's for those three and they've transcended their characters. And it's not just, you know, oh, Phil, Phil Colson was in these things, it's oh, that's Colson. He, you know, Clark is now known to millions of people just as Phil Coulson.
1: And I wanna- I would argue that in going into what the film we're talking about today, Guardians of the Galaxy volume 2, Chris Pratt, especially, and before I get in going into this, spoilers, 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 spoilers. Okay, I said it four times. We're gonna be covering a lot of this movie. I think Chris Pratt has really embodied Star Lord, and you can see why Kevin Feige and James Gunn chose him for the original movie.
2: Oh, I absolutely agree. I think that, I mean, I started reading Guardians comics when I heard that it was going to be a part of um, the MCU um, I was like, okay, I never really read them before but then I really got into the history of the Guardians and, and reading everything I could and the more and more you read it's just like, he really, it, it like RDJ and Tony, Chris Proud is Star-Lord. Yes. But um, he hasn't played it long enough to get to that level that, that, that RDJ has.
1: But you can but you can definitely it's see. The, it's almost there <laughs> but you can definitely see the heart and the almost oh God, the yeah. innocence and the good natured. But before we but That's one
2: thing I love about the Marvel heroes is that they are all heart. Yes. They're not just brave. They're not just hot. They're not just funny. They are loaded with heart, and that's something that you find in the comics. It's something you find on the B-series, and that's definitely something you see in the MCU.
1: Even with Tom Holland's thing on his bed when he's talking about who he is compared to who who he used to be, that was like, okay, yeah, I get it. You're Peter Parker. Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: He immediately, in Civil War... I was I was like okay I buy it I, I'm in I'm yeah. in for this kid I've seen him in a couple other things since then and I think he's fantastic It's weird to hear his real accent Yes because um, it's so
1: deep isn't it You don't expect it's deep
2: British boy accent and yeah. I'm like it shouldn't come out of you But he's really wonderful in Lost City of Zed, Um which did a, was kind of a mess of a film But
1: he did he um, did a he did a movie with Hemsworth ironically enough long yeah, before and the- he,
2: and he was just on Lip Sync Battle Yes
1: which I can't wait to see that episode or oh, can talk hilarious. about that any of shield at the time of recording tomorrow about that a little bit more um but going back to guardians of the galaxy volume two i like to start off with the negatives first before we go into Just to get those mm-hmm. out of the way what were the negatives of this film for you if any um well,
2: for some reason i felt the pacing was a little off for me there were moments that i thought could have been tighter edited down a little bit more um I'm not one to focus on romance in a superhero film. I like there to be a little, um, I thought there maybe was a hair too much with the Gamora star Lord thing. Um, but really that, that was it. Um, it was enjoyable, it was entertaining I really didn't have many things to Criticize about it, um, seeing it The second time made me like it more
1: Yeah, I I've, had been, the first I've been hearing That a lot from a lot of different people And,
2: um, I know that my roommate When he saw it the second time, revised his review Of it, um, from seeing it the first I think the first time we were all still Had the original Guardians film in our head yeah. And wanted it to
1: be as Groundbreaking and as and, awesome And, as and that. you should you should never go into a film no. with, with that intention, no matter what it is? No,
2: but when you see it the second time, it is it. It takes away all the doubts. The in the, the pacing and the romance, they were just minor irritations for me. Yeah, they made a Cheers
1: reference. I don't mind. Yeah, I, I don't mind, I uh,
2: but um, yeah, that's. I mean, I thought the story was was pretty tight. Um, um, a certain character's death, I did not, I did not like, but I understood it.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, because I'm a huge fan of that actor. Yeah. and have met him. Yeah. Um, and Love the character, um, but I love the little—I love the Easter egg thrown in there. I love, uh, you know, how they brought a certain group back together at the very end.
1: Yeah, uh, along along your along your negatives, I have to say the pacing was a little bit like, a little bit wonky, but at the same time, it's pacing is not, it's an exact science, and it's not. Right. You, you, it's really hard especially, and I wrote this in my non-spoiler review that I put on my, put in my Marvel, Marvel Comics group and in my, on my own personal Facebook page. I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 did the juggling of characters even better than the two Avengers films that we've seen so far. Yeah, I agree. And, I think with the pacing it's very hard to to get a sense of pacing when it's just you doing the writing and the directing right and and i don't know if you've ever directed anything i don't know if you've ever written anything when you're in the trenches it's very hard to get perspective
2: yeah it is um i have written things i have not directed anything i I have no desire to direct um but easy. But my best friend is someone who who absolutely should be a director and a writer he is that talented he just I don't know why he won't do it. Um. Uh. He says there's enough assholes doing that. <laughs> that He doesn't need to be in there too. Yeah. But um.
1: But everybody think, has this temperament for it quite
2: right. Quickly. And I I totally understand that when you're in that that zone where it's pretty much your baby. You've written it. You've done the research. You're shooting it. Um. The bosses and,
1: like it, which is another, which right. And thing. you ha- you can't.
2: And he has this the tough job of straddling the line of pleasing the fans, writing a story that's interesting for him, and pleasing a studio, and that also fits in with the whole phase that he's in and where we're going in the cinematic universe. And I I have to give props to all the writers of these films because not only do they have to live up to their own expectations and write something that that they're proud of, but they have to take into consideration the larger picture and take notes from the studio heads and from the the execs saying, well, we need this to lead up to this and we need this to lead up to that. And you have to mold your script so that you're still telling your story and your... And still serve the
0: characters without... The
2: characters and And that you're doing what you're helping to usher in the next set of films. And I think that's really unusual in filmmaking now. And I think Marvel has has done a great job with that because they're pretty much, we know that the DC films aren't doing
1: that. They're not
2: caring enough about the product or their fans Uh, or leading up to anything else. But Marvel and including Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Netflix series, there's all these beats they have to hit that don't pay off in their product, but pay off somewhere else. And I think it's really hard to get perspective for a lot of writers and directors, especially when you Combine the two that are like okay, so I have to make sure that I've established this. That another director is going to take it further. Then another director is going to finish it off. Without so with, total with, props to with Gunn
1: without stepping on people's toes, which is why in Civil War you didn't really see Wakanda that much right. at all, because the Russo brothers said we don't want to step on Ryan Cooper's toes. That's his right. story that he's doing, and and I don't think I don't think this should be like over over written either. And I need to mention this: no one expected Guardians of the Galaxy Volume. One, if you want to call it, that, to make as much money as it did. No, nobody so,
2: expected because it was the property that had the least amount of. Well, it's the younger of the comic books. It's, it's one not of the not youngest one, the Avengers.
1: It's, it's one of the youngest in Marvel's history. Like right,
2: it hasn't been around very long, no. and it didn't have the massive fan base that the Avengers. I mean, the Avengers are the greatest. You know, probably the best team up: the Avengers and X Men and the Justice League. It's that's who we know. That's who yeah. most people know who yeah. casually read comics. Yeah. It's those of us who who go deep and deep and deep and want to read all these different titles that were going, okay, well, we're going to bring in the Guardians of the Galaxy, and a lot of us were like, why? And even the, even, it, the
1: even the name Guardians of the Galaxy, it's so, it, it does sound like a stupid name. <laughs> Just, yes,
2: until, it does until you start reading it and you go, okay, I get it, and then yeah. I mean, it introduces Nova Corps, and you, you have all these amazing stories that are taking place, and you're like, oh, I wonder if they're, then the movie comes out, and you're like, oh, I wonder which storyline they're going to do. Oh, look, it's an origin of the Guardians, okay, yeah. and what's the second one going to be about? And I think that having a superhero film that wasn't really about superheroes and that you set in space was a really big risk that paid off for them because, especially if in the grand scheme of things, they wanted Marvel execs wanted to do a Thanos story with Infinity Wars, you need the Guardians. Mm-hmm. You need Gamora, you need Nebula, you need Star Lord to fully tell the story of Thanos. You need the whole fam- you need the whole Thanos family. Um, and you need to be in space because not all the Infinity Stones are on Earth I and mean, yes. we only know of a few on Earth. Yes. And I think that Marvel. Marvel was very bold to choose Guardians, and I also thought they were very bold to choose Doctor Strange because not a lot of people were that familiar with Doctor Strange outside of Avengers costs. Like, oh, well, okay, sometimes he's with the Avengers.
1: But. But, but, but but going back to what I was saying a bit earlier, with you know, no one expecting this film to make as much money as it did, that really compounded, you know, if he, if James gonna needed more weight on his shoulders, that was that was like that didn't help matters. But going to the pay- Again, it's hard. To, it's hard to gauge what's too much and what's not enough, especially when. And I'm glad he kind of did this with Gu- Guardians One. It was all these misfits coming together to form a family. And and I'm not the first person to say this. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna claim that. But Gu- Guardians: of The Galaxy Volume Two is more about okay, what is our place within this family, and not even with the Guardians family, even with the the relationship. Gamora and Nebula. I yeah. I really connected with that. Going into the positives, I really like how even though it was. Even though it didn't need to be said in the first film, I'm I'm really glad that Chris Pratt took the reins as like the lead character in this franchise. Right, franchise. It,
2: right. They could have it could have gone a lot different, but I think that the way he plays Star Lord really lends itself to um to that leadership role. And having been a fan of his from Parks and Rec, and um, we did see a
1: little bit of Andy Dwyer in here. A couple yeah,
2: times. <laughs> I, I I adored Chris, and I was so happy for him when he got the role and he really did take the mantle of the leader of this group of a-holes. Yeah,
1: I I earned a lot more. I, I had seen him on the WB show Everwood, ironically enough, with Emily Van Camp who would later become Sharon Carter, and I saw this, like, doofy guy with a lot of hearts, and one thing that really impressed me about Chris Pat originally when he got this role, the first thing he said when he got this role, he was like, great, now I can go dress up as Star-Lord to Children's hospitals and yeah stuff. Like, and he
2: does yeah him, and he's and, from he's from my area here in washington and he comes to the hospitals around here dressed as star lord no cameras no tv crews nothing it's just him paying it, paying it forward he really adores kids and he make and you know his son was had some medical issues at birth and he just was like so grateful that he wants to give back and i gotta love him for that even
1: more yeah and i actually i actually like spend some time at that hospital he frequents when i was younger. Yeah. But going go, going in back into this film more, I loved Star-Lord's relationship with Ego, the Living Planet. We need to talk about Kurt Russell. What did you think about his characterization overall?
2: Uh, I'm probably not the best person to ask because I'm of the opinion the man can do no wrong. Yes. Um, I've been a huge fan ever since I think I saw the Peter wore tennis shoes when I was yes. five. Yes, yeah,
1: and he, he really was like the Zac Efron of his day, really. Yeah,
2: he did all these live-action Disney movies, um... Like strongest man in the world and uh Super Dad, which I don't think was Disney, but you know, he and a bunch of teenagers drove around in a dune buggy and uh I've always been a fan of Kurt Russell. I have, we have numerous posters in our house. I have Escape from, I have his a- snake Pliskin action figures. Um, I was really thrilled when he asked because I could see that you can get a resemblance. You could see how he could be the father of Chris Pratt. Yeah. Um, knowing, knowing the character of ego, I, um, I loved how, like I knew what was, what eventually probably was going to happen. Cause I know yeah. who that character is, but he did not betray that at any point. He did not betray that he was going to go, go, Super
1: evil. He, pl- at all. he kind of played like he like one of his other previous roles the dad from Sky High some, Oh God, some yeah,
2: that. love that movie. Yeah, um, but um, I I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was a great addition. He love his worked. chemistry
1: with Pratt, by the
2: way. Absolutely, they had great chemistry. I love the scene where they throw the ball of light around. Love um, that. and I know Chris Pratt said that was like a great moment for him because Kurt oh. Russell was a former Major League Baseball player who was in the minor leagues. Um Tyler
1: I Bates did a great good job with the and, score
2: with that scene too. Yeah, absolutely. And he said, just throwing the ball around with Kurt Russell was awesome. And I, as a baseball fan, I'm like, yeah. But I thought their chemistry was great. I thought his chemistry with Mantis, um, and I thought he just did a great job. I thought he was funny as hell. Like, uh, and um, even kind of knowing what was coming, I was just like, I want more ego. Can we keep it, please? Can we keep ego
1: around? I, th- I, th- um, I think my buddy said this. My buddy's doing a show on YouTube called Hyper RPG. One of the caveats to get these like big name like established actors is that they're not going to be around in sequels. Like you're yeah. not like you're not gonna see like you're not gonna like see Glenn Close or um, Robert Redford or Kurt Russell want to do like a franchise. Right,
2: it, but it, I think Glenn Close said she would do another Guardian. She would play Nova Prime again. Yeah,
1: but. I, Of course, there wasn't a place for her because uh, one of the things that I really loved about this movie is that we are actually moving from planet to planet to planet, which which we really didn't get to see much in the first Guardians. And here's the thing with, with with me in sequels. I don't want to see the the, the same movie twice. Right. Exactly. Even, even though that's even though subconsciously that's what people mean when like when they say it's not as good as the first one. You want that losing your your first time uh, again, and that's right. not possible. You're not gonna have that, and you're gonna like this reference. You're not gonna get your Star Wars and New Hope twice.
2: Right. Even, exactly. Yeah. Even you, though, every you want. that. I mean, I think as film fans, as comic book fans. I think Marvel's audiences are, are a lot more, I want to see something new. If we were going to spend this whole movie on Xandar again, it wouldn't have brought anything new to the characters if we were going to see John C. Riley again or Nova Prime. So I think, you know, what works in the people they bring back for some of the other films, like when they bring one mm-hmm. of Paltrow in or John Favreau in for Iron Man or, or some of the other uh, recurring characters, it doesn't really need to work for Guardians because it, there's a whole universe to play with. Yes. And, and there's so that's such a wealth of locations and ideas because they've gone so many places in the comic and you can also make stuff up you can make up planets you can't make up countries really except for Wakanda um, <laughs> well, so I think it, it works best in, in that era, in that universe.
1: Well in in a sequel like since you've already done the wham bam thank you ma'am in the first one like, right. you can go into more characters to study which exactly. I think is one of like the strongest things not just with Star-Lord we already talked a little bit about Nebula and Gamora. I love I love Karen Gillian's monologue, and it really speaks to people that grew up with cousins or grew up with brothers or sisters. One that's a little bit more successful when you're younger, right. and the other one that's like kind of tossed aside. And yeah. I and I love and Karen Gillan doesn't have much to do in this movie, but I love her little thing of you know while you were winning, all I wanted was a sister, and I was like, yeah.
2: damn. I thought. I, thought that I that really was, thought
0: that
2: that was beautiful. I thought she did a great job. I thought she brought she did bring something else to the film because she brought a lot more heart to the film because you got to know her. Yes, and well, was, she wasn't just Ronan's, you know, lackey. Or she Thanos was her is own lackey. Or Thanos lackey. She was her own being in this, and you really got a lot of heart out of her in the in the Gamora storyline. And as much as you get, I mean, Guardians really these films are uh, have a huge amount of heart in them because yeah. they are. Are about family. I think even more so than the Earthbound MCU, where you have a lot of heart, but I think for some reason these two Guardians films, they really embody a family. And I think that came across in this one, especially because like Drax called them that, you know, he's like, we're, you know, we're not friends, we're family. Yes. And, and the bringing in of Nebula, who I hope sticks around because I want her to become a Guardian. Well, I um, know that she's going
1: to be at least being Infinity War because I, right. and I really hope they stick to the comic books. I mean, spoiler alert if you've not read um, Jim Sterling's Infinity War, but in the comics, like, Nebula is a big part in bringing Thanos down in
2: the end. Yeah, and she's very intricate, integral in,
1: in doing that. And yeah.
2: I, I thought she was, she was I really liked her a lot more in this than
1: I had in the first one. Yeah, And, um, and, I, and I, how I you are about good. Kurt Russell, I will never say anything bad about Karen Gillian, and not just because of the obvious things. She's also I, a big, big Nerd
0: as
2: well. Uh. Well, yeah, I love Karen. She was, she was really like, I was very upset with the transition of doctors from 10 to 11. I was not sure how I would like Matt. Um, but so I really latched on to Amy, played by Karen, and she really helped me accept Matt as the new doctor after yeah. loving 10 for so long. Yeah. Um, and I was, I cried almost as much for her and Rory as I cried for losing David. Yeah. Uh, so that, that says a lot for me, and I will cry just as hard probably for Peter because I. I have come to is become one of my favorites, but um, we're I talking about Doctor Who. We're talking. Sorry, guys, we're, we're talking bad. about Doctor Who. If you're not, if,
0: if you're, you're not nerdy
2: enough, yeah, if you're unfamiliar. Um, but I thought that Karen has always. I, I will always love Karen. Yes. I will always love her. Yeah. So I was just happy to see her doing something uh, besides Doctor Who, and she was on that um, Adult Swim show, Uh SVU, SUV. It was like a spoof of yes crime she, shows. She has a great group. sense
1: of humor, but I w- I want to move on to talk about yes. the man that stole the. Show in my opinion, tracks the destroyer. Dave Batista, my, my my good lord, he is the best at dry comedy I've ever seen in my life. Like, he
2: he's really a great straight man because one, the character doesn't really get humor. Yes, and what he does think he gets, he really it's really not funny. Yes, like it was a practical joke. Yes. No, not real. that is what it is. Uh, no. You are disgusting. It's just like, and I thought he really did. He and for me he and Yondu really kind of stole this movie um
1: <laughs> I, there are points where he's a little bit too mean but if you but if you look at the context and the subtext of what he's actually saying he actually is meaning it as a compliment well he <laughs> just
2: doesn't get it he doesn't yeah. speak a metaphor and yeah. he says exactly what he means but I think he's learning I think Drax is kind of uh, growing I think he's really growing as a character I love that you know he really doesn't kind of know how he feels about Groot um or a, but or or anybody else except probably except he is the one who calls them family
1: yes you know and one of the and one one of the most moving things that i've not heard anybody talk about when they're on ego's planet and everything's coming down and they're all trying to get away. Drax just goes, where's Quill? Where's yeah.
2: Quill? Is Quill back? Has Quill come back? Has Quill come back? Is yeah. it, there is There has been a bond formed in the last few years and however, however long we are between. It, it,
1: it has been like only yeah. like, they said in like the, the, like in like the, the title, title screen or whatever that it's only been like six months since one and two. And that's the other thing I wanted to touch on. This really does feel like a sequel to the first one. You don't, yeah, really does. See, you don't really see many of those in the MCU, where one no. literally falls right after the other. Yeah,
2: usually there's a big gap, or um, you kind of retread a little bit. Um, at the beginning, I didn't think that there was any retread going on in this one. We yeah. knew all the characters, they didn't have to be reintroduced to us. We didn't have to be reminded what that Drax species you know, doesn't understand metaphors. We didn't I love the story, oh, yeah. story about his wife. I loved his story about his wife. There's
1: those who dance
2: and those who don't dance. And,
1: and his wife, nothing could
2: make her dance not even I, one would have thought she was dead
1: <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: he really was he really was like we have we have to keep a watch out for Batista stealing the the funniest uh, actor thrown from Pratt yes. Um because Pratt um, as funny as he is and he has pretty brilliant line delivery um, Batista's kind of getting up there and I think when you have a character like Drac you can really make that work because you have someone who takes everything literally and so when he when he does something funny it's even funnier almost because it's not
1: I, supposed to be funny and I think teaming him up with Mantis not in a room. Not in a romantic way, of course, because Drex She's finds disgusting. her uh, finds her disgusting. I loved I loved his little analogy about beauty, though. It, yeah, it hurts because it's true. But I love that Mandis can kind of be Drax's conduit, especially when she like touches Drax on his shoulder when he tells that emotional story. Yeah. and Mantis just balls. Like Drax isn't being emotional uh, emotional by choice. He's doing that because he he can't emote. Right. That's no, the, I
2: think they're good. I would like. I wouldn't mind if they those two hooked up, but um, you know me, I'm like I don't like to focus on romanticism, romantic relationships in these movies. Unless they're um, like really
1: organic, like pegging Cap.
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't mind that one um, yeah. because that one's almost like a, it, it. It almost was, but never was. Yeah,
1: and they didn't call attention to it either. Like no, they, it's, you,
2: that's why I like the the Drax and Mantis thing. Is like she really kind of understood him, and I think she's the first one to really do that and to not expect anything of him. And I think he he sees that that's kind of like his marriage was. And I love when he talked about his daughter. I loved getting to know Drax a little bit deeper. Um, and Rocket too. And yeah. every, if you know me, you know I love Rocket Raccoon. I have like every Rocket Raccoon thing. And I just I absolutely adore the character. And this movie just made my heart break for him.
1: Going to Rocket, oh, going to Rocket, because this story is not the most integral, but it is one of the more moving. The reason why he stills the the Batteries from the sovereign is yeah. because he wants an out because he doesn't like losing people he doesn't right. he doesn't like telling people how much how much they mean he to doesn't him. like
2: showing that he, he cares and so if they kick him out of the guardians for doing something stupid then he's like well those guys are a bunch of bastards and I'm just going to move on um, it's almost like he wants that negative attention because he doesn't feel he deserves positive and also but it's because I think
1: they get it I
2: think they get it
1: now and also because. It's hard to be friends with somebody that's always so mean and awful to you. That's why it makes it so much easier. Like, and I've said this to people in my own personal life. If you want people to leave you alone, just act like a total dick.
0: Like, yeah. Like,
1: and, and that, uh, and that's why it kind of does so nicely with Yondu, which we'll get into to in just a second of Yondu saying to him, "I know who you are, because I'm, because yeah. I'm you, and I understand what you're doing." Um, and I love the last image that we get in the actual movie is that little tear down rocket space before we get into the credits but we'll get more into that in just a sec I wanted to talk about Gamora for just a quick second she was underutilized out of, mostly out of anyone but I loved her thing with Will when he says when he he finally connects with the ego and he's like I, 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 I'm I with my family now don't you understand that and Gamora just goes I thought you, we wouldn't Right.
2: Yeah, I, I think that she, was holding herself back a lot in the film. Uh, She had a lot of emotional growth in this one. yeah, Because of the relationship with her
1: sister, the relationship with
2: Peter, um, and then having to come to terms with a little bit of jealousy over ego.
1: Well, it is kind of like the it it, it, it isn't it exactly, but it's like, you know, you know, Captain Reynolds and and Inonar from Firefly. It's It's like Han and Leia. Like, both characters are mostly damaged, and they're both ostracized from the the worlds they're from, but at the same time they can't come out and say, I love you just because of extenuating circumstances and who those characters are and people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and because like and because also they're also kind of repulsed of each, each other at the same time, which is the the great hallmark of all these kind of relationships, like the non sweet ones anyway, that you're kind of repulsed by the person that you're attracted to. Right. Yeah. Um I wanna talk about the sovereign because they're kind of oh, yes. e- easily forgotten. Look, love. If, if this film does not win an Oscar or at least a nomination for set design and costumes, that will be a travesty. The look- I agree,
2: I agree. Their look was so flawless and I absolutely loved how they were so serious and yet really, really funny at the same I loved,
1: time. I love when they land on the snow planet, like the the escort planet and <laughs> they, they hit like a bump in the carpet, and yeah. and Aisha, the leader of the sovereign, will not move until the carpet nope. is fixed. And they spend a couple beads just trying to fix the carpet so she can walk by.
2: Exactly, and then they're like, oh, and the looks on their faces are like, ah, oh, crap, crap. So they were this ultra serious race of beings. Yeah, but they were also very human. Yes. and very funny. I love and,
1: that. I love that they're not going to send out their army. Literally, send them out. They're just basically. Gonna use like Galica arcade missions essentially.
2: It's basically like a street racer, they're riding the little motorcycles in the arcade. And I thought that was brilliant. I and love because the one dude, you still can see their faces, and they're still being effective. And you're, I was like, we should always lie by, by doing this. I mean, I, love, I know it's a little bit like
1: drones, but this is how we should go to war. I, l- I love the one dude going after he gets the last one gets blown up because you suck.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I everybody in the theater was just loving that whole thing, but I have to say my I am a huge fan of Elizabeth Debicki, who who played Aisha. Beautiful, um, ever beautiful since, woman. Ever since I saw The Great Gatsby, she was the good part of The Great Gatsby because that's one of my favorite books, and I've not yet seen a decent movie version, except she was phenomenal, and she's in The Man from U.N.C.L.E., which if you haven't seen it, go see it, everybody. Which is it's why,
1: um, why Army Hammer was at the premiere, because yeah. apparently she and Army Hammer
2: are really good friends. Yeah, and she's phenomenal. She's her Aisha was so beautiful and not just physically beautiful because a lot of that was covered up with paint. Yeah, but um, even still. She was funny. She was even funny. Even still, she has she like was... the
1: most beautiful face I've
2: ever seen. She's like, it, like an angel. Yes. It, it, she looks but, uh, like a uh, she's, goddess. She's just, she's just simply stunning, and I will watch anything with her in it. Um, I loved her
1: laughing but... at Taser face, though. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we just talked about the Silver Pieces series. I love that you even the celeb cannot beat you, Mr. Face, with the name of Taserface. Face. yeah.
2: yeah. This is like really it was like like you looked in a mirror one day and you said Face. <laughs> that was, that yeah. was I love. Uh, I mean, I think long running gags are kind of overused, but but they're just
1: like that. That was one of my favorite. Like
2: it wasn't. Like, uh, it wasn't that long running, and they they hit they hit those comic comedic beats perfectly. Because once he died, it was like we never heard it again. But it was just for really those two moments: the rocket moment and at the moment with the sovereign that he was like that they made fun of it and it was just really perfectly spaced apart and it began and ended strong.
1: Going back to the comedy for a bit, I I heard my buddies talk about this and I kind of have to agree and I want to get your opinion on this. Um, do you think they undercut the dramatic moments in this film a little too much with the comedy? No. I I
2: could see. I could see why people would say would yeah, feel that see... way, but I I did feel that way at all.
1: Yeah, the comedy didn't land as good in this one as as in the first one, but again, it's one of those things where you either laugh at it or you don't. If you over-examine if you overexamine comedy, you're doing it
2: wrong. Right, uh, exactly. And it didn't have to be rah-rah-ha-ha ha funny. These are not characters that are stand-up comics. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all! Yeah, these are characters who are just funny people who are sarcastic and snarky, and that's the humor. is sarcastic and snarky and kind of an oh-shit humor. And they're like, kind of, we're in this situation. And these characters are kind I, of
1: dumb, let's be honest. Like, all the characters in their uh, own way are kind of dumb, but dumb in an enduring way, not dumb in like a stupid right,
2: way. Right. They're sweet. They're sweetly stupid. But one of my favorite moments was when they were they just arrived on Ego and Drax had said something. He's like uh, and Ego is like, well, we're doing this you know, with the exception of Drax, you know, kind of thing. And I was like, that was really funny. It showed that the character was listening and these little moments that showed that every character was paying attention. And that's what I like about the humor of Guardians is because they, they their humor comes from how well they know each other. Yes. And the things that landed really well were the things between them. And uh, what, even in the dramatic moments, like when Rocket and Yondu are being captured by the Ravagers, and they mutinied on Yondu, and Rocket still had, you know, the taser face thing happened right in the middle of that.
1: Yeah. We, you know, we had to talk about that little sequence and relate to that <laughs> everyone's favorite character in this movie, in this film, and even I have to acquiesce look, look at me using the picture words um we have to talk about baby birds oh my god they didn't I'm, I'm glad that they didn't overuse the cuteness the, yeah
0: because
1: he's a, and I'm, I'm saying this to myself it's very easy much like Tony Stark's like snarky asshole comedy to overdo it yeah with with baby Group they didn't over overdo it one of my favorite comedy bits is them going through all of the multiverse all the yeah. dimensions
2: <laughs> yeah all the- the different uh, the different uh, uh, like portholes and, um, th- and I think
1: we, and I think we did I think we did see like Taj and the micro in there somewhere wouldn't surprise me if we did
2: probably we saw the watchers and mm. um by the way the- great cameo by Stan Lee I, I still think that my my theory that he was a watcher was just confirmed yes I'm, <laughs> exactly. I'm, 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 you know and, and I'm, I'm, that, I'm, that Stan Lee is the I'm, watcher of the I'm, MCU and that's why he's everywhere I'm gl-
1: and it makes sense because that's what the watcher. I don't know if we're gonna get the most famous watcher because that character is tied up with the Fantastic War over Fox. Yeah. But even still, I'm glad that we See, that's the thing, you can still do the Kree and essentially do the scrolls without calling them that specifically. Right, right. But, but uh, yeah,
2: I thought I thought that the baby Groot stuff, they again, like you said, they didn't overdo it. He was essential again, and he was cute at the same time. Yes. But he still had a role play and he wasn't just the cute little baby that, you know, could destroy, you know, a film or a TV series when you bring a baby into it. Um, I love that they still use Vin Diesel to do his voice and just modulated it. Uh, I love, I actually liked his little Ravagers costume. I thought it was really cute.
1: Yeah, because
2: it looked like a miniature Star-Lord jacket. Yeah, it did. And I was just like, oh, he's so adorable. And I love that where the first Guardian Star-Lord got the dance number at the beginning. This was Groot's dance number.
1: Here's the thing I loved about this movie and some people complain about it that are just movie fans that are not comical fans. I like that you can't see everything in the first go. There's things yeah. happening in the background, which happens in in comic books. For those of you listening to this that don't read Marvel comics, that happens all the time in comics. Whereas in Splash pages you don't need to see everything. Right. I'm glad I'm glad that like James gonna recognize that and said, You know what, we're not going you don't need to see everything little thing. You don't right. need to see every little thing spelled out. Going along with that, how did you like The Guardian, the awesome mix volume Two?
2: Well, they put in George Harrison so you know I'm gonna be happy. Um, I love their choices. They're not even songs that I would necessarily like, in, like if they came on the radio. Yeah. But I think what James Gunn does with the mix and what he did with the first one and this one are really, really smart. He fit the song. He picked the songs that fit that scene and they do it really, really well. And the My Sweet Lord, which is one of my favorite George Harrison solo things, was so perfectly placed. And the Chain by Fleetwood Mac was so perfectly placed because on it, had the, to, on it has the, to do with family.
1: On one of the best albums of all time, which is one exactly of those, which is actually has a lot of family strife within that album. If you <laughs> read the well, yeah, if, story. You know,
2: if you well, if you know Fleetwood Mac's history, and yeah. like I do, it it really that song is about being a family. Yeah. And I thought they used it really well with not only with they're going to join Ego because the family is gaining another member so we
1: think But or could be breaking up at the same time right so
2: there's a lot of tension in that song but it's a great song it's one of my favorite Fleetwood Mac songs um, I, I think James Gunn is like amazing when it comes to choosing the music
1: I, I really love the opening sequence yes. because you know what it also reminded me of and Michael J. Petty my partner from Time, was going to love this it really did kind of remind me of a Scooby-Doo Kind of musical scene. With it kind of did, yeah. With I love wave. how
2: everything was going on, and we just we're so focused on Groot. And Groot is can... going,
1: and groups' is waving hi, and Gamora's like
2: hi, hi. And you know that he's not there on set, and you, you know, so James Gunn is saying, okay, Zoe, wave, you know, and uh, how he still freezes whenever you know Drax tries to catch him
1: with his sensitive nipples. <laughs> oh, God. Apparently, I heard this on Chris Jericho's podcast. Talk oh, is Jericho. They wanted to put that in the first movie and somebody at Marvel wouldn't let them do it. And the, the first thing that James Gunn did in talks for Volume 2 is, I want that sensitive nipple joke in
2: there. Well, it, it worked. And like like that, James Gunn is so good at doing, they didn't linger on it. It came back around, but that was all. But I did love, one of my very favorite moments was when he like dives into that creature at the very beginning. It's like it's too, the skin is too thick to be pierced from the, from the outside. I'm going to Inside, and it's like, and when Star Lord and Gamora are like, it, it's the same thickness from the inside or the outside. Even and then you you see, probably could
1: do more damage on the inside,
2: but Drax is like in there going ah with the knives, like ah. It was like, and then he I have big push, and it's like, <laughs> seriously, yeah. seriously, it split down the throat, not where you
1: were. <laughs> I, th- I think, I think one of the things going back to the awesome mix is with the first one, James Gunn wanted to just put some good music that people would like hum along with and dance to this one. He wanted to pick songs that are more related to the story within right. the character struggle. And even going back to the like opening song with the Brandy, "You're a Fine Girl," um, which by the way, well, how do you because we talked about this before with Ant Man with Michael Douglas, the the de aging makeup that they used or the de aging enhancements that they did on um Kurt, Kurt Russell, that was fantastic.
2: Because I really thought I was looking at Kurt Russell in the late '70s, early '80s.
1: Because uh, because you, I also grew up with that with him as well in Big Trouble in Little China and the thing. Oh God! Yes. Yeah, and and, a, and looking
2: at the poster right now, a,
1: a, a very underrated a very underrated movie called Overboard. Yes, it's, I love that movie. It's cheesy. It's cheesy. Yes, but, but it does have a you lot of charm can't
2: to it. Stop from watching it when it comes across when you come across it on TV. It's like oh, Overboard's on. I'm gonna watch it. But
1: I love it, the, I love the Dairy Queen thing just yes. because it, it, I almost. Didn't I recognize meredith Cole because and i don't want to make this sound offensive but like it took me a minute because i don't remember seeing her with her in the first one of course
2: no she had she had brain cancer she was dying she was laying in a hospital bed so it took a minute to go well you understood that that was meredith but it was like oh it's the same actress yes um because we didn't we saw her like on her deathbed so it was going to be little but i thought that you know i remember when i first saw the technology that deages. ages it was tron legacy with clue and uh, and was, Jeff Bridges. And that was, and it was, it, but at the time we we're all like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. But yeah. I think we've gotten to the point where it's like. Michael Douglas
1: where, was amazing to me.
2: Michael yeah. Douglas was pretty cool, but I think they nailed it in this one. Yeah. Because I think you also have this wealth of footage of Michael Douglas and Kurt Russell at those ages because they were so, um, pro- prolific in their, in their choices of film and TV. And
1: with Robert Taney G- Jr. in the bar scene from Civil War. Would still, by the way it didn't need to look like a young kid because it was a simulation and they set it up as such so you right. didn't need the. you didn't but need to it
2: look. looked enough like what we knew rdj looked like at that age that you're like oh yeah I can buy it yeah but I thought I thought it was with Kurt Russell it was fantastic it reminded me of when I was
1: little and watching. nice him product placement the with the dairy Queen by the way I yeah snickered at that.
2: joy a banana split today
1: Yes. like who has banana splits anymore um what did you think of about ego's revelation or his his revealing of what he actually did to Peter's mom and what he wanted to do, my opinion uh, my opinion on it is this. I and some people might disagree. I, I know a lot of people will disagree with me on this. I liked the dioramas of ego with all the women and all all and him like making love to so many of those women on so many different planets. I liked his reasoning for it because. It, it is a celestial reason, which is, which is what he is. He's a celestial. Yep. And it's also, like, it is also like a sailor slash rock star's re- reasoning of why he, you know, wouldn't settle down. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: yeah. No, I totally, yeah. He's, I mean, he is, his name suits him well. His name is Ego, uh, the
1: living planet. Living planet. Yeah.
2: His name suits him quite well. And, um, I thought he, he played, you know, the dad, he had, the dad Peter wanted which was this guy who loved his mom who was fun who could play catch with him who got the same references who loved the same kind of music but he also was like he knew what he was doing and when he turned out to be a total asshat it suited his character as well.
1: And you understand his logic behind Yeah, oh your, yeah. You, not that's only, why
2: nobody hates Ego. Nobody well, has come out going, God, I hate Ego. He was such a jerk. Was well, like, and I was like, God, that, I, I fell for it.
1: I love that he is a combination of Peter's father in the comics, Jason of Spartax, who is an emperor of a world, and also Ego the Living Planet. And you understand his logic, not only wanting to spread his seed, but also understand the logic of why he gave Peter's mom that tumor it's terrible right. of course but a lot of but I've read and I'll talk about this more tomorrow in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. talk I've read a lot of background of serial killers and yeah. the reason why they murdered the people they supposedly loved it's because they could not live with the regret of leaving them behind so they'll kill them so they don't have to live with that more. it's sick it's twisted but there is a big Logic yeah. And I love, and I, and again, this brings even more character to the character of Peter Quill in terms of heart. It's only when he, <laughs> Ego admits that he, like, intentionally harmed his mother, it's like, oh no, it's odd, no.
2: Yeah, it. I think that's one thing that, like you said, with serial killers, is that they can absolutely convince you because they've convinced themselves of their logic, and that's what cult leaders do too. Yeah. And I think ego. I think he played. He gave Peter what he wanted while he was trying to get what he wanted. And it's also this thing of
1: continuing the family business. You are my son. You are part of me. And being Asian, we. I've I've seen this a lot in uh, in Asian cultures, whether it be Filipino, Japanese, Chinese. Korean, whatever you're, uh, you're my creation. You follow right. in my footsteps, whether you like it or not. Right. It, it absolutely. And it's kind of like the reverse that. Darth Vader in that sense. We know in Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader is a bad guy. With this, we get the impression of you know, mean, ego may be a bit of a dick, but he he appears to be a good dude. Yeah, that's that's
2: how cult leaders get their followers. Um, is that they're they're personable and they appeal to you, and then before you know it. But you're, you've sucked in. You've Your eyes have gone all starry, glassy like Peter's, and you've got a big light tentacle coming through you. Yes,
1: and we did get a nice little easter egg with the character of Eternity. I don't know yeah. if we're ever going to see him in Infinity War. I don't know if they're going to pull that off. I don't want it and, to be like a galaxy cloud, like in the both versions of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, but but I, I need to talk about this character because we haven't talked about him yet. Let's talk about Michael Worker's Yondu. Oh, Yo, so, God, yeah something that i was not expecting coming into this
2: no i really wasn't um i was i cried i sobbed. i'm not ashamed to admit it both times um i did not want that to happen i love that character um and, and i michael think i rooker, love that.
1: and michael rooker did a wonderful job on social media <laughs> claiming to be that he was going to be in infinity war and all these other stuff and in an actuality that wasn't the case
0: at all i'm sorry no,
2: he's that's that's the kind of sense of humor rooker has and as as someone who's been a fan since Henry Portrait of a Sierra Color um, and having the chance to meet the man he really is one of the nicest people you'd ever meet even though he looks like he's going to rip your head off
1: yeah that smile is just so mischievous oh my god and I will say
2: this he is an amazing hugger oh my god one of the best hugs I've ever gotten Um but um, I thought he was really this, the true star of this film was, was Yondu and not only because we got to see Michael Rooker who's a fantastic actor uh back in a James Gunn product because he pretty much in everything James Gunn does
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but because he to me showed the most heart and it, it, you saw it when we first see him in this film and so Stallone comes up and he he's like, goes out there to...
1: And I love that Stallone is pretty much playing Rocky Balboa in space. Like, he's not even except trying more to hide. coherent. Yeah, he's not, he's not trying to hide it which by the As way some, St- Stallone is basically playing Starhawk, one of the original Guardians he, of the Galaxy, who, exactly. we see, who we do see in the post-credits scene. Right. Scene. Those
2: are all in the post credit scene, uh, Ving Rhames, um, Starhawk, and Michelle Yeoh's character. Michael the Rosenbaum original, as well. The Michael Christmas Rosenbaum them. are the original Guardians of the Galaxy, and, and, and the, all of us who knew were like, uh, uh, what? Oh my God, that's awesome! And um, and we're just like, because as soon as I saw Michelle Yeoh, I'm like, well, she she's supposed to be Nikki? Yeah. And I'm like, no. And so we came home, and we kind of researched it. We're like, no. And I love Michelle Yo, She's one of my favorite actresses. And I was just so happy to see her. I didn't realize until we walked out of the movie that we're like, wait a minute, was that what we saw? Because we're like, I was just happy. Oh, a cameo from Michelle Yeoh, a cameo from big raves, a cameo from Stallone. And I did say, and I'm not a big Stallone fan. I thought this was his best performance ever. Um
1: need to see Creed. Creed. Is, I see Creed. Creed is a Creed is a great movie, and I love that Molly Cyrus is the voice of the computer, who's also yeah. another original member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, but going back to Yondu. Speaking of original Guardians, I like that he had his original fan from his yeah. original look in Guardians of the Galaxy.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I, m- was, I miss. I miss. Like I was like when we saw the first Guardians, like that's not Yondu's fan.
1: Yes. Um. Not. Again, much like Gamora, not a lot of stuff with Yondu, but the stuff that's there, especially when Peter's flashing back to all his memories with the people that he had. My favorite one was on the grass with his mother listening to that Sony Walkman. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I had that Sony Walkman. Um, but one of the things I love the most about Yondu in this film, um, was when Peter was telling Ego, trying, you know, why Yondu kept him around was because he was a skinny ass kid who could make, it was was good for thieving. it was like at least twice the exact words came that Peter had said about Yondu uh, and his relationship came out of Yondu. It's like, well, he was just a skinny little kid. It was good for, you know, getting it was good. Get in and out of small places is good for them. It was the exact same line. And it showed just how close these two were. Yeah. It's like, you threatened to eat me. It was funny. Not yeah. to me. Yeah. And it was just like, I just thought it really showed the closeness of that relationship. We didn't get in the first one. You did understand, I think, from the first one that they had a father-son bond as Peter was growing up up with him and this one you really got it and it didn't feel like it was tacked on at all. It felt like it was very natural. Like it, we just didn't see that because they weren't really together in the And first it wasn't movie like
1: enough. a huge neon sign that no. this the this is a movie about fathers and sons, this is a movie about fathers and sons. Because movie. it was
2: about so much more than that. And it was about the nature of family. And I think when you know Sean God gives him the thing that they're all the kids are listening to on earth.
1: I love I loved seeing the Microsoft <laughs> Zune. I had a Zune. I'm so my, sorry. That was my first. No, no, no. Here's why I had a Zune. And you're going to laugh when I say this. The reason I had a Zune is, well, number one, I wanted to be different. That was number one. And number two, I knew nobody was going to steal it. Yeah. And, no, and no one ever did. Yeah, pretty <laughs> and, much. And, th- and that's why. It can I can
2: hold a hundred songs?
1: 300. They said 300. They said in the movie. I love that. I lo- <laughs> Excuse me. I love that they, they, not, they not only chose a zoom. They chose the ugliest color of Zoom. The brown Zoom. I loved, I, I, I loved them playing the Cat Stevens song. I loved, even though some people thought it undercut the funeral scene, which was their version of Thor the Dark World to me. I loved, um, Quill's line about David Hasselhoff. Yeah. And how he connected that with the undercut, By the way, I also loved David Hasselhoff cameoing when, yep. Ego, when Ego turned into him for a second. I loved, I loved that, that. And-
2: well, I, I love how Gabora just totally messed up his name too. Yes,
1: yeah. Starfraud Hasselfrau. You mean David Hasselhoff? Hasselhoff.
2: Okay. And I did love that in the the end credit song. It uh the band used David Hasselhoff was doing the rapping. Yes,
1: because <laughs> apparently that was the one of the only original songs with lyrics they actually created yeah. themselves. and then um, we are, we are Groot. But I but I have to mention this, and I'm sorry for me cry. Yondu's death scene and how Star Lord reacts to it. That that totally that tot- I think it got everybody because I'm very cognizant of what's going around me in a cinema, and that's the one scene that literally like you could hear a pin drop. That was like the equivalent of Rhodey falling down in Civil War.
2: Yeah, because it, it was it was it was really hard because you finally get the idea when Yondu shows up and Star Lord realizes that's my father because and it, I'm glad it didn't take him until Yondu died to realize that it was really when yondu showed up on ego yeah that and they had that little bickering moment which they're so great at um where they're going back and forth and the whole you said you were going to eat me um but when he says you know he may have been your father but he wasn't your daddy and i think there is that difference between a father and a daddy um and i thought it was really beautiful and that star lord was able to appreciate that yondu was his dad um before yondu died
1: because i don't know how it is with fathers and daughters or mothers and daughters but fathers and sons (laughs) the You're not going to, like, have this, like, seventh heaven-esque moment of, no. like, how, how we feel for each other and, you know, what you mean to me. like And I think that's one of the things that we also see with Spider-Man and Iron Man, like I've said on the show before, like, it's going to be along the same lines of that that. Like, you don't know know dads often tell sons how much they mean to them. Or how much well, some, some
2: dads are- just aren't as, like, emotionally available in that, in that way. Way, because men are supposed to be strong and tough and not not do all not not be you know girly and be emotional. And the
1: ravengers uh, are already on Yondu for for two things. One for like protecting <laughs> claw as long as he has, and that's the other thing that Sylvester Stallone's character says, and very early on in the movie, which they bring back at the end of the movie, which was also one yeah. of the most moving scenes, is yeah. that Yondu took the easy way out, and that's why the he was stripped of his official title of being a Ravenger, but the all comes back full circle at the end with that great, the great funeral procession. Yeah. Because he did. See I it.
2: thought it was so, I thought it was amazing that Rocket made that possible too.
1: Yeah. And.
2: Because I think Rocket and Yondu really bonded in a way that I think nobody would understand with the two of them because they really were the same. And that's probably why Quill keeps Rocket around in a lot of ways. Yeah. Is because it kind of reminds him of Yondu. Um, but I think the fact that Yondu was really the one in this film who was most in touch with his emotions was. It was kind of beautiful,
1: especially when he was such a jerk in the other movie. Right. Like it give, again, it gives him more depth than he had before. Right. The because when this mo- because
2: when I was watching this movie, it didn't surprise me or come out of left field that he was this attached to Peter. It didn't. None of his emotional uh, realizations were a surprise to me because it's it it fit. Even though we didn't get that in the first one, the way Rooker plays this character is in such a way that everything was really natural. And it all fit together, and none of these characters are one dimensional. And I think Yondu was the character with the most growth, and I think the most heart in in the film. And I think we learn more about him than even we maybe they expected us to.
1: I I think, and I said we've said this a couple times in the podcast already. I think this furthers what I said earlier about this film really being a direct sequel. Because let's be honest, Captain America: The First Avenger and Captain America: The Winter Soldier were not sequels. Like Captain, no. Ameri- Captain America Winter Soldier was the second Captain America. Same thing with Civil War. There were connecting threads, but it was not as connected. Like, Thor the Dark World and the original Thor were not a sequel. The, like, these two films, Guardians 1 and Guardians of the Galaxy 1 2, are a, a sequel to each other.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: And, um, I need to talk about this for just a quick second. I love, this may be the most beautiful, um, Marvel Movie that we've ever seen in terms of a visual, a, visual, a visual spectrum.
2: Well, yeah, I think not only you know you have a director like that, but you can make these planets look like anything you want because there's no basis for comparison. We know what Earth looks like. We don't know what Ego's planet looks like, really. We don't know what you know. And yes, they were they were true to the comic in some of them. We don't, but I th- I think that you have more to play with in the toolbox.
1: And especially with the use of the the red cameras, which I'm not gonna go through what red cameras are. You can look. That up yourself and they could explain it more eloquently than I ever could. one of the advantages of using these red cameras for this movie, it is it accentuates colors like blues, right. browns, reds, oranges, to the point where they it does look like a Flash Gordon movie on acid and and here to close this up and we're not gonna close this up fully right now, but I wanted to say a couple of things about this movie. Like I said in my non-spoiler review. I think this is, gu- I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh, oh, please forgive me. I need to mention this. I loved it when Peter Quill turned into Pac-Man. <laughs> that was the best. That was the biggest.
2: I, I so wish we'd seen The Skeletor, too.
1: <laughs> I love it.
2: Everybody busted laughing in the yeah. theater both times because it was so awesome. Because it
1: was and kind of a throwaway line when Peter said it.
2: Well, that's the thing mm-hmm. I love about James Gunn is nothing is a throwaway line.
1: Yeah, but it was treated as such. And speaking of James Gunn, it, sure, it's because he's his brother. But I like how Sean Gunn was Used, even for the little thing
2: that he had. Yeah, I love Sean Gunn. I think, you know, not only was he that character, he's Rocket, too. Yes. On
1: set. The, the onset Rockets. Yeah. Um, But going back to what I was saying earlier, I think this Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is going to be like what Ant Man and Captain America The First Adventure and to some extent the first Thor film were. Maybe not overwhelming critical response, but as it ages like wine, I think people are gonna, going to appreciate it more. And I think it's one of I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is going to be one of those films when one sees it on Blu Ray or one season on Apple TV or Netflix or wherever you see it's going to like gain a following over time. What do you think about that?
2: I I agree. I think I loved it both times, and I liked it better the second time. I think it's the kind of movie that you're always you can always find something new in, which is why I still watch Star Wars is because I'm always finding something, and I've seen Empire over five thousand times. Yeah, and I still find new things, so um, I think it's definitely a movie that is built to last.
1: It's to last, yes. No, I'm yeah. um, I'm um, I, I, just for Just for historical reference, I like that this, and really and truly, since Iron Man 1 we haven't had this. This is one of the few movies in the Marvel Cinem- Cinematic Universe that literally has nothing to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Like, there is, like, some ties to what's gonna happen in the future like Aisha and Adam Lot, which I thought was a great Easter. I thought it was a great post-credit scene. Um Of course, Thanos. But it's not. But it's not interconnected like it was with the first one. Like you don't right. see. Like you don't. I. I was disappointed that we didn't see a Thor cameo. I'm disappointed that we didn't see some connection to Ragnarok. But at the same time, we did. Time, oh, I know we did with the Jeff Goldblum thing. But I. 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 But going back to what I was saying, I, I was disappointed at the time that we didn't get one but I'm glad that we didn't because I like that this movie stands alone by itself I yeah. don't see that much in the Marvel Universe.
2: No, I, I was totally fine with um, the fact that we didn't get a whole lot of cameos Or um, I think they saved those things for the end credit scenes and, and, and we still yeah, have Thor did.
1: Ragnarok in November where we could ha- essentially have like Star-Lord show up and give Thor right back to Earth. I need to also say for historical reference that when the Guardians show up in Infinity War, which is not a spoiler, if if you're listening to this, you probably know that already. Um, it's when not the Gu- a secret. Uh, yeah, when when the Guardians do show up in Infinity War, it's going to be a good two years since the events of Volume Two, which probably means we saw Groot in his emo teenage form in one of the post-credits scenes. We're probably yeah. gonna get full-size Groot again.
2: Probably, is, yeah. He well, he's he's growing. He's becoming an annoying teenager. We,
1: all he needs is some a bad die job and sing some My Chemical Romance songs, and he would yeah. totally. Be like a, a perfect teenage, just playing idea. his,
2: he's playing his video games. Yes,
1: um, I I loved just for reference. I don't want to forget this. I love Peter's explanation of why he hasn't gone back to Earth. I'm glad yeah. they put that in there because it, it explains why he never went back, and that's probably why it's going to be a little hard to get him to come back to Earth because of his <laughs> negative feelings towards it, which is how I also feel about Washington State, quite frankly. I know that he lives there now, but nothing good really came out of me living there. And how Peter feels about Earth is how I feel about Washington State. I really liked how how they put Peter's explanation in there. Um, I wanna talk a little bit about the post credit scenes. Lo- I okay. love I love Howard the Duck. I'm sorry. I don't apologize to me.
2: I'm, I love, I love it too.
1: I love I love that it's Seth Green doing it. I hope we can see him somewhere in Thor Ragnarok.
2: That would be interesting, yeah. Like
1: he's one of the spectators at the Thor and Hulk fight. Maybe. Um, Maybe. Cosmo, my, do- my dog Cosmo loves seeing him back. Yeah. Cause yeah, a- I was really
2: happy for, for the little bits we did get. And I think that one of the things James Gunn is really good at is not overstaying the welcome. Yes. So just to have that little bit of Cosmo, and I love the way they did the end credit with, like, looking like an album cover. Yeah. And then making the little images of them, like, start to dance. And, and then all- the I am group battered throughout. Yeah. It-
1: the I am good spattered in the credits and
2: I love that everybody the, was like going oh there's this, there it is there it is there
1: it is I also love that um Peter's grandfather from the first yep. film is in this in the end in credits and in when that like big blob concrete thing <laughs> yeah. comes around in Missouri um, another
2: actor who's in every James Gunn movie
1: and I think James Gunn's parents are actually in the, yeah they are, they are. In, in that scene in Missouri as well I they like are. how the end credits we already kind of mentioned Adam Warlock and Aisha that they're yeah. not that they're not setting up for an MCU thing. They're setting up for the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie that we're gonna see. Well, he's Adam years.
2: Warlock does have a part to play in the Infinity War, so but James Gunn be, has already
1: confirmed that he's not gonna be in there.
2: Okay, I didn't hear that part, so that's good to know. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think bringing in Adam Warlock is is so smart. And when you know Aisha's sitting there and she's like disheveled for her, still looks gorgeous. Yeah, um, and she's like, I call him Adam, and I literally went, oh!
1: Yeah. Adam Warlock. Because James um, James Gunn yeah. even said it was a mistake by him to put like his cocoon in one of the Easter eggs in the first one. So that's why they made like this one gold and like more synthetic looking than the natural one that we saw in the color case. Yeah,
2: no, I, I absolutely
1: was just
2: yay! Um and I had just watched an episode of The Guardians animated with Adam Warlock <laughs> yeah. like two days before.
1: Um here's here's my feeling about Guardians of the Galaxy going forward and in and Infinity War. I think I think Kevin Feige is a very smart man. I dare say brilliance in setting up the the fact that both teams of the Guardians and the Avengers are so splintered at this point, that pretty much nothing is going to bring them together other than the great good of Thanos is coming and we need to put our crap to the side at the moment to defeat this big purple dude and his and his girlfriend with the awesome headdress Yeah. And their kids, the Black Order. Um I, I think it's brilliant what Feige's done with setting this up. Um, One thing I wanted to discuss with you about. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And uh, the smartest thing to do that the next movie is Spider-Man.
0: Homecoming. Yeah.
1: Yeah. To do something I agree. completely 180. Like they did in 2013 with Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it's brilliant that Spider-Man
2: is the next. cleansing time. of the palate. Yeah.
1: While we get ready for Thor, Ragnarok,
2: and then Infinity. Um, I thought, yeah. Yeah. And we need we need an earthbound uh, movie, um, yeah. and we need something to kind of like resettle us, and then we're gonna go back to Asgard. But we're always spending time on Earth and Thor, so yeah. um, I think it's it's a, they're so smart in how they put these movies in order. And I know that Homecoming was kind of thrown in uh, for Marvel last minute because they got the right.
1: But they already thought of. But they thought of just in case they did get the right, what we could do after this, and even after Thor Ragnarok, the movie we're gonna get after that is another ground based movie plot right so exactly I, I think it's I think it's really I think it's really smart what they're doing I think Marvel Studios unless they get really really cocky which I don't see happening anytime soon um I think they're doing it right I think like I said earlier spider-man homecoming is the right way to go it's completely different than what we've seen before yeah um and I th- and phase three when because we're not even sure we're gonna get a phase four from Ke- from Kevin. Fikey's own words after the battle with Thanos is over we might not even get phases anymore but phase three is looking to be the best phase of all phases of far. yeah phase. I agree and um I have to give this movie five out of five what about you yeah
2: I gave it a, I gave it five out of five I thought it was solid it delivered a great story it delivered the heart it delivered the music it delivered special effect and it brought back my rocket and uh, it gave us sensitive nipples ever.
1: it gave us sensitive um, nipples
2: <laughs> I like that they they waited to pay that joke off too yeah. um till <laughs> the very end I love the introduction of the new characters I love Mantis I was trying to figure out how I could cosplay her um yeah. just the eyes the eyes just would the be... eyes are gonna
1: be a bitch so yeah.
2: I'm, I might just stick with female Star-Lord and even
1: um, and even still like even something like Nebula that would not be an easy thing to pull off like with the bald head and the plume. Yeah.
2: well and even and Karen didn't shave her head this time. So.
1: Yeah, because she saw what, like, like those gross, like, con fans, and I'm not saying all con fans are gross, what th- they were doing to that weight she threw in the curve. Yeah. 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 But, um, I think it's time to go into our pre-recorded closing. Okay, let's roll
0: it. Get at our Across the Airways podcast network website, acrosstheairways.com. Again, across that's com. You can check out all of our podcast shows, available as their own individual program. get the iTunes Store, okay, Google Play Store. Guys, for the podcast shows, cut out we have the DC Nation podcast located at DC Nation Again, that's DC Nation, which reviews popular DC comic related TV shows, and movies. There's also the Marvel Verse podcast, located at Marvel Podcast, Again, that's Marvel which reviews Marvel Comic related TV shows, and movies. Again, we also have ThronesCast, Cast, our podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones, which is available at the website throadscast across the Again, that's thrones. In addition to these programs, you can listen to the original Across the Airways podcast, which is accessible at CrossTheAirways.com, which reviews TV shows not related to superheroes, core game of throne, like The Walkie Dead, Doctor Who, Star Wars Rebels, Supernatural and more, including sitcoms such as the Big Bang Theory, Cat the Muppets. Also, you can listen to Across the Airways, the DC Nation podcast, throats Cast, the Game of Thrones podcast and the Marvel Verse podcast, got the mixed radio stage, code by Jackknife Stitcher Radio. Or if you use Apple devices, download the podcast box app. You if you're on a Windows core Android device, you can download our app from the Amazon Marketplace. Get the Windows Marketplace. got a regular Windows or Windows Phone app. Because for how you can contact us to you give your own listener feed. got the TV shows we review. Provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience. Or just want to say, do you like what we're doing? Email us at acrosstheairways.com. Again, that's across the airways. Get gmail.com Comment on our Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Got across the airways. There's no fun. It's just across the airways. Join our circle. Sky Google+. Go leave us a voicemail by calling 773 k 9 Could get that's 773 k 9 Reason. Also, with sending us an email, please mention which podcast show you're directing the message to. get the subject line. If you are sending us listener feedback, you want to go on the air. I would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies, get television advice. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past Comic-Con. And it will be a great resource to find videos related to the Comic-Con taking place in San Diego this summer to go along with our Comic-Con special.
1: Why do you keep doubting me? I I can't believe, like, we're only gonna get a new MCU movie in about two months yeah we, we live we live in a very we live in a very generous time um i can't i can't wait for spider-man homecoming um guardians of the galaxy volume three when whenever it comes out i'm glad that james gunn is already working on it now because he realizes just like any good meal and you should know this being a baker it takes time it does and it takes time for it to rise and we will see you next time on the marvel first podcast anything else that, Nikki? no uh we missed
2: to James and Steve and I walked out of this movie both times thinking how much Dan would have loved this movie.
1: Yeah, and I uh, and I'm and I'm really and I'm really sad that he he's not going to be he's not gonna be here to see the Infinity Spider-Man. War. Or, I'm sorry, or, he's,
2: not gonna, he's gonna miss Spider Man. That was his he was one of his favorites.
1: I'm yeah. Sure. Um with with that with that said, keep your Zooms charged and we will be back <laughs> to talk about Spider Man homecoming Excel.